I'm Megan Bob, and I'm here to understand the mysteries of wrestling. And I'm Miles, and I'm here to help with the aid of my favorite wrestling show. This is The Next Wrestling Fan, an NXT review podcast for would-be wrestling fans who don't know where to start. And current wrestling fans who want to relive the magic of that first time. This week, we respectfully call out the episode of NXT <laughs> that originally aired on September 25th, 2014. And in this episode, Bob, there are some humans that even vampires shouldn't hunt. Oh, yeah, it's true. Welcome to episode 71 of The Next Wrestling Fan, a podcast of fights and feels. Last episode, we got just tons of great stuff from Adrian Neville, Sami Zayn, Tyson Kidd, the people who feel like they're kind of the main characters in NXT at this point. Mm-hmm. Those guys don't really show up in this episode, which centers itself mainly around the non-title storylines going on these days. To my mind, and I don't know if you agree with me or not, Bob, but I thought it was sort of a smaller, quieter episode, just in terms oh. of, like, narrative beats. Mm-hmm. But it was still a lot of fun and gave us tons to talk about, which we will do in Bob's Breakdown. We will then get into the sights, sounds, and feels of pro wrestling before one performer is draped in the ceremonial honor that is the Lawrence Bolivier Award for Outstanding <laughs> Commitment to the Bit. No wrestling term of the week this week, uh, because as of this recording, Bob is actually still listening to my Shimmer essay from the last episode. I'm still going. So it's going to take them another couple of weeks to sift some fanfic out of that, like a like a prospector mining for gold. Yeah, pretty much. Actually, Miles, please do send that to me. I do need it. <laughs> yeah. But we will close out with another edition of the Cheap Pop Quiz. And uh, before any of that, it is time to get the answers to last episode's Cheap Pop Quiz, which was Bob's first opportunity to earn points in this latest round of quizzing. Okay. Question number one. On the next episode, Natalia is back. But what is she here to do? Is it A, accompany Tyson Kidd to the ring for his match with no mention from anyone about their previous storyline? B, accompany Tyson to the ring for his match and now show signs of joining him as a heel? C, demand a rematch with Charlotte for the NXT Women's Championship? D, Ask William Regal to give Tyson another shot at the NXT Championship, or E, wrestle Sasha Banks for no particular reason, but it rules. Uh, Bob, you went with that last one, which would have been nice. It would have. Incorrect, unfortunately. The correct answer is she is here to ask William Regal to give Tyson another shot at the NXT Championship. <laughs> I'm sure we'll talk about it. Yes. Question number two. The next episode also features a rematch between Bull Dempsey and Mojo Rawley. How does that go? A. Mojo wins and evens the series after a hard-fought battle. B. Bull wins again, but at least it takes longer this time. C. Bull wins in less than a minute, but is randomly attacked afterward by Baron Corbin. D. Bull wins in less than a minute, and then Mojo Rawley gets randomly attacked afterward by Tyler Breeze. Or E. The match ends in a no contest when Jason Jordan and Ty Dillinger randomly attack both Mojo and Bull, forcing them to briefly team up again to fight their opponents off, after which they give one another the classic, I may not like you, but I damn sure respect you look. <laughs> I thought you might go with that one, Bob. I crafted that one with you in mind. Uh, I, you know what? I feel it now. I was too overawed by the Shimmer essay to even think about anything. <laughs> 
You did not go with that answer. However, you also didn't go with the right answer, I'm afraid. You went uh. with uh, Bull winning in less than a minute, which was correct, but you thought he would be randomly attacked by Baron Corbin. Mm. Instead, Mojo was randomly attacked by Tyler Breeze. That Look, my answer made a hell of a lot more sense. It absolutely did, and I was proud of you. Thank you. Question number three. In other The Next Episode Features a Rematch news, The Ascension are cashing in their rematch clause and challenging the Lucha Dragons for the tag team titles. How does that match end? A. The Lucha Dragons retain cleanly, and Hideo Itami attacks The Ascension after the match. B. The Ascension win by disqualification when Hideo Itami attacks them. C. Hideo Itami attacks the Ascension, but the ref is down, and his interference helps the Lucha Dragons retain. D. Hideo Itami comes out to distract the Ascension, which indirectly helps the Lucha Dragons retain. Or E. Sin Cara is injured during the match and can't continue, so Hideo Itami <laughs> runs down to the ring to replace him, ultimately scoring the pin on Victor that helps the Lucha Dragons retain. In this case, Bob, you did take the bait I crafted specially yes. for you. <laughs> You did select E, Hideo replacing Sin Cara in the match and then winning the match. That was incorrect. Glad Sin Cara is okay, though. Yes, uh, me too. <laughs> the correct answer, again, was D. Hideo oh. Itami comes out to distract the Ascension. All of the answers in this episode were D. So, no points for you on this one, Bob. That's okay. You know what? That's okay. Miles, I'm so proud of you because oh, you skunked you. me. And I'm always happy whenever that happens. And it's I've been doing harder. well for a while. <laughs> I know, and I was like, I had a real moment before when I was like, man, I'm getting too good at this. I'm so powerful. And then to be skunked, I was like, ah, oh, good. All right. I still got it. Yay, you do. Uh, I, oh, I was going to say it with you, but that's not me. It's you. <laughs> that's a little bit awkward. I also still got it. <laughs> we all got it. There will be additional opportunities for more points, Bob, in the future, including at the end of this episode. But before any of that... I think we should get into Bob's breakdown. Our commentary team for this episode is Rich Brennan, Jason Albert, and Renee Young. Look, it could have been really bad and it wasn't, and I was very yes. happy. Match number one, it's a cold open. Mojo Raleigh storms to the ring and then Bull Dempsey comes to the ring and people are kind of into it. Like, there's people standing up doing the arm raise of like, Bull, Bull, Bull. So... Raleigh attacks Dempsey before the bell, but that doesn't really matter because within 90 seconds, Raleigh is down on the mat and being headbutted from off the top rope. Stop so, doing the flying headbutt. Yeah, it's... Mm. So, Bull has won. He leaves. And then Raleigh's not even out of the ring yet. Tyler Breeze's music hits. And Raleigh is now leaving up the ramp as Tyler Breeze is coming down the ramp, which obviously this looks like a stage manager issue. This doesn't look like a wrestling <laughs> issue. This looks like the stage manager wasn't doing their job. And Agreed. I say that as a stage manager. I'm like, yes. no, don't do that. Raleigh barely brushes past Tyler Breeze, who <laughs> flips the fuck out and chucks Raleigh into the ring post. Raleigh crumples to the ground like a Victorian waif and just cowers <laughs> as Breeze is like yelling at him, like, no gruel for you. You're awful. I hate you. And I was like, oh my God. Miles, I don't want to watch Mojo Raleigh wrestle, but neither. Do I want to watch someone have to enact the results of their workplace performance review for me live on screen? Like, <laughs> I don't want to watch someone being buried unless they're an asshole. If they're an asshole, like, okay, you kind of deserve it. 
But Mojo Raleigh, this is, I don't like it. Just let him go to a farm upstate and just be a doggo. Yeah, it's the sad thing about wrestling, like when this kind of thing happens and it's like, yeah, we're kind of done with you. Everybody's kind of done with you. We probably shouldn't have you on TV anymore, but Mm. because we're phasing you out, lose to all these people on your way out. Oh, God, that's the worst. That's (laughs) the worst. Ouch. What a shitty way to have your workplace organized. That's a goddamn nightmare. I mean, I guess that's true on like television shows too, but fuck. Anyway, package. Who is this damp man? (laughs) It's Baron Corbin as he walks through falling rain towards a motorcycle, his white wolf vest remaining crisp and dry despite the CGI downpour. He turns to camera, his little chin beard looking intense, and says some faux deep stuff. People like me, blah, 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 blah. People like you, my kind, blah, 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 your kind. You can't fight fate. And he revs his motorcycle and drives off without a helmet because he's such a fucking renegade. <laughs> and I was like, oh, he should be a no for me. But he is a resigned yes. Because I'm like... <laughs> I, there's, Fine, there's, come into the bedroom. There's not no appeal there. And like, if you're in a certain place in your life, you're like, yeah, you're the right kind of bad decision. Right. But I mean, I do recognize he's a terrible decision. Match two, Tyler Breeze versus Justin Gabriel, who continues to be upsettingly attractive. It's very much it's so. so rude. Breeze is still in a mood from dealing with Raleigh and even gets into it with the ref. Like, do not speak to me. Are you kidding me? I can see your pores. Do you want me to go blind from this affront? Which is all the opening that Justin Gabriel needs to take control and kick the stuffing out of Breeze. So the thing about Justin Gabriel is that he is part Ninja Turtle. I I (laughs) like Tyler Breeze, but I want to watch Justin Gabriel do everything. So, like, Breeze ducks him and Gabriel lands, standing on the middle corner ropes. No problem, dude. Back kick to Gabriel. Like, Breeze is going to spoil my move from off the top rope, man. I got this. Gabriel does a cartwheel off the top rope to land on the mat behind Breeze. I know, dude. Dude. I'll do a 450 splash. Breeze gets out of the way. No worries, amigo. I can somersault. (laughs) He's so fucking good at everything. Breeze has finally had enough of playing the role of Rocksteady to this radical reptile and gets him with the beauty shot, the end. Oh my God, if Breeze ever found out I said that, it compared him to Rocksteady, he'd murder me. He's a huge nerd. He probably okay, really real like it. But I mean like Tyler Breeze, if Tyler Breeze was a real person, then Tyler oh, Breeze yeah, the would the character be like, would have nothing but disdain for you right now. No, although I suspect that the character would also not know who Rocksteady was. Right. <laughs> also true. What the hell is the point of making Justin Gabriel look so cool here, but still letting Breeze get the win? Because I was like, Breeze did nothing in this match. Justin Gabriel <laughs> looked like a fucking rock star. All Breeze did was suffer and then do the beauty shot. There is one more thing that Breeze did, but we'll talk about that later. Oh, okay. But I agree with you. Justin Gabriel should be, like, more prominently featured. Stop getting injured. Just be safe. Although, don't stop doing the things you love as well. (laughs) We should should mention there's a reason people don't want to push him. (laughs) Because he cannot (laughs) be relied on to be available when you need him. Yeah, yeah. Stop surfing with sharks. Backstage, Daddy! William Regal is talking to a PA. I suspect we're going to talk about this later. But 
In comes Natty looking gorgeous as ever. And she's here to ask if Tyson can have another title match. Why should he get one? But if he just had one more opportunity this time, this time it'll be different. He really deserves it. And I was like, okay, that's <laughs> not a good reason, but okay. Regal does agree to give him the match, but it's his last chance to face Adrian Neville. If he doesn't win, he can never challenge Neville again as long as he's champion. Stakes. My favorite thing about this is that Natty is like, I don't want anybody finding out that I'm doing this for Tyson. Yes. And just like, and then over the course of the episode, literally everyone knows. (laughs) (laughs) It's just immediately everybody, including Tyson, knows that she's done this. It is a weird thing to go. It's being filmed, but definitely don't let people know. (laughs) This is a secret. Well, this is a secret. That means you too, camera person. Yeah, you're sworn to secrecy. (laughs) We get an ad. Kid rock music hits and we are treated to an ad for one of the WWE Vidge games, WWE 2K15. And I know people have strong feelings about these games and enjoy them greatly. And I was just curious, which game is considered the best among, I don't know, fans of such things? And what is the thing that's fun about them? Because I was like going, maybe I'd enjoy it, but I don't know. I'm very bad at video games Uh, because I just want to like make the game play the matches. <laughs> I don't want to have to do anything. Yeah, I don't know. I, I haven't played a WWE wrestling game in quite some time. I'm not, obviously, as you know, Bob, I'm not uh, part of the video game fandom. <laughs> but you like a fight game. I do like a fight game, although even with the fight games, I haven't been part of, like, like I still play fight games that I liked in 1998 or whatever. You know? Oh, wow. Um, okay, fair enough. The best wrestling game is widely agreed to be WWF No Mercy, which came out for the N64 back in the day. Wow. That's the overall. And I don't think there's any like particular disagreement about that, really. Like, that's just the best wrestling game. That's um, so weird. It's so like the graphics. I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's not about the graphics. I think it's more about gameplay and sort of the story huh. mode and stuff like that. The aspect of wrestling games in general that you would enjoy most, Bob, is the ability to create your own wrestler. And that's always been the selling point. And if you want, at least in the old games, you could create your two wrestlers and have, literally have them fight each other with computers in control. Oh, um, all right. That's fun. I, I will say, though, this is the thing that I think confuses people about me. I don't necessarily love creating my own characters that much. I love fan fiction much more. I want to destroy other people's characters and like right. make them how I want them. But I don't but, necessarily, I don't want to do the hard work. But Bob, you could create the Phantom of the Opera in the game. Okay, fair. All right, now you're telling You know, okay, like you could create right. wrestlers who are like, we had Jesus and Santa Claus. They were a tag team back in the day. <laughs> Aww. Match three, Alexa Bliss versus Bailey. Bliss comes to the ring and it's fine. And then Bailey comes to the ring and the music is just so fucking delightful. And she's got the arm streamers and I love it. And the Bailey's gonna hug you chant is in evidence immediately. They lock up and they break apart and the ref is doing a lot of hand motions. Like, I don't know, maybe (laughs) they always are. But I felt this time like I was watching the world's most aggressive helicopter parent doing third base coaching for T-ball. There's a lot of like, get in there, eye on the ball. And I'm like, what are you doing? It's kind of a thing in sort of this era of NXT, actually. It's been remarked upon by others. The referees are a little bit uh, hand wavy, so to speak. It's kind of fun and I enjoy it. In what tone are they hand waving? Is this supportive hand waving? Some are supportive hand wavers and some are just sort of like very coaching hand wavers. Right. 
And some are sort of like warning gesture hand wavers. Yeah, I think most hand waving is punitive. Yeah, it's interesting. The promise of punishment, right? Like, uh, don't you dare. You stop that right now. (laughs) Turn this match right around. So Coach Dad is there in the mix. Bliss decides to concentrate on her strengths, one of which seems to be remaining intertwined while getting Bailey into a pin. Is she a Naga? Maybe so. Mm. This tiny snake lady flips over Bailey's back, pin attempt, flips over Bailey's sort of side, but also her back, while she's on all fours, pin attempt. Alexa does a head scissors takedown, which is the sensual thigh grip that flips you over in the process. And the audience goes a bit wild and she curtsies and Bailey even gives her a high five. And I was going, is this an advanced move? I can't remember seeing it often in NXT, but I see it a lot in other wrestling. So I don't necessarily have a firm sense of where NXT has its like, oh shit, that you did the thing. Yeah, NXT tends to be a little bit more grounded in less flippy moves a lot of the time. I mean, ah, uh, graps, huh? I say that, and we're literally about to talk about a Kalista match, the main event of the show. Um, yes. But I think there's two things going on with the crowd excitement here. Um, mm. I think the first thing is that, and again, like, this is just based on my memory of the era, but. I don't think you saw a lot of women pulling out head scissors at the time. That's what I was wondering. It's one of those things. Like, you remember when Emma did a powerbomb at Arrival? Yeah. And the crowd went ape shit. Like, it's just because you don't see women doing powerbombs very often. And I think head scissors are probably a little bit more common than powerbombs because they still involve, like, like you said, there's a sensual quality to them. Yes, that women exactly. are allowed they to seem, have. Yeah, they seem like a thing a woman could do, I guess. Right, but they're also harder to do. And so you mm. need to oh, Jesus, be able yeah. to wrestle. Alexa is kind of showing some chops here, both in her own regard, some, something that she might not have, you know, displayed before. And also, uh, you know, something that we don't see women do a ton in this particular era of WWE. The other thing going on here is this is sort of a weird face versus face match. Mm. And I actually really like it, and I'll probably talk about it more a little bit later on. We'll see how this goes. But uh, I just think that Alexa is sort of showing that she can at least hang a little bit with Bailey. And in this sort of face versus face environment where it's like you've got two people who are both good people. And so the narrative tension of the match is purely, you know, sort of one of friendly competition. Yes. I think it becomes a story beat in that way because... Alexa is someone who is not on Bailey's level, is not coming off a championship match at TakeOver, right? Like a critically acclaimed championship match at TakeOver. And is kind of being like, hey, look at me, I'm here, you know? (laughs) Okay, that makes sense. Bailey then picks a body part, which is something I didn't think I would ever see. It was like, wait, what's happening? Mm. And she manages to do the arm and shoulder torture on Bliss and not come across as a heel. It's just like sportsmanship when Bailey does it, which is a weird experience. And Bailey keeps up with Bliss's every attempt, following her in a somersault. When she somersaults, it's just beautiful. Bailey does her belly to Bailey suplex for the win. And I want to sidebar for just a second because I realized something while watching this match. This match is not funny or weird. It's just nice. Like, it's really good. Yeah. It's just a pleasant match. Yeah. And I think this may be my issue with women's wrestling, or at least the issue that I, why I don't, I think, instantly love it the way that you do, because I <laughs> like stuff that's dumb and bad. <laughs> and I think it's often easier for me to enjoy men's wrestling because it's a lot more likely to fall into that category. I mean, there's also more of it. So by, you know, the law yeah. of large numbers, all that stuff, you're going to get more yeah. of it. 
Yeah, there are absolutely women out there doing like dumb comedy gimmicks and it's fucking great. There's a couple out there who I get to see every now and then on AEW who uh, are doing it. But I get like, you can't always do that joke. So I'm like, oh, bum. But I also think there's a thing where men are allowed to do comedy and like, oh, it's so it's highbrow. It's genius. And then if women do it, they're like, oh, well, they're not they can't do the real wrestle. And I'm like, oh, boo. Well, and, um, and women doing comedy in American wrestling and WWE in particular Often something that does not go well when you've got men writing for them. Yes, exactly. But it was just a thing that I realized that made me go, oh, okay. Miles loves it because it's good. Yes. I love it because it's good, but I don't always like things that are good. And this in particular, where we are right now, I've talked about it ad nauseum, but we are at a point in history where for the women, being good is the point. Yes. Like, oh, 100%. That is the entire point is that, holy shit, this is great. Like, this is so good. And so, yeah, you're not going to see as much um, women's wrestling that devolves into comedic badness or dumb shit in this era specifically because that's really what they're trying to get away from. Exactly. And I think that's kind of the problem with it for me is that like it has to escape that history. Like, if I saw one that was bad, but it wasn't bad in a way that was intentional or mm. that was bad in a way that was intentional but felt, like, very contrived – I wouldn't like it. Like, it would have to walk such a fucking fine line to work. And I think it can. I've seen it. It's just, I was going, oh, Miles likes it because it's so fucking good. But, no but where it's going to grab you going forward, Bob, is in the character work. Because the same thing oh, yeah. is true of Adrian Neville and Sami Zayn and Tyson Kidd and everything happening on the main event scene. Like, the mm. wrestling is phenomenal. But yes. in the case of the men, you expect the wrestling to be phenomenal. The wrestling being phenomenal is nothing new. Yes, exactly. And what Sammy and Adrian Neville and all these guys are doing is they're they're being innovative in their character work. Instead of being dumb, it's deep and it makes you feel things and the characters mm. grow and change. And as the women's division in NXT progresses and moves forward and suddenly they've they've they're at the point where like, oh, women's wrestling in NXT, they're good. As that moves forward, you also see them layering more of the character work and doing yeah. more of the character work because suddenly they have the space to do it. They're wrestling 15, 20 minute matches on takeover shows. You know what I mean? So it's like you have the room and the the space to do more things that actually draws you in on more than the superficial. Oh, hey, look, they're good at wrestling level. OK, that makes sense. So that's where I think they'll get you in the end. Right now, we're still <laughs> we're still in the point where it's like, hey, look, we're great. Yes. I'm never sorry to see one of the women's matches. I just am like, oh, well, I that's going to be harder for me to write jokes. I because I'm like, it's just it's just <laughs> fucking good. I don't know. What do you want me to say? It's good. Bailey gets on the mic and calls Charlotte out to ask for another match. And Bailey admits that she feels like she let herself down. She let everyone down in losing to Charlotte. Can she have another match? And Charlotte says that Bailey finally earned her respect and she'd be honored to face her again. And I was like, who the hell is this? Is this character growth? Is this a face turn? What the fuck? Charlotte even gives the crowd like a real woo. I mean, it wasn't an impassioned woo, but it wasn't an I hate you woo either. Miles, what is happening? I think she turned face a takeover. Oh, fuck. OK, I think I think after the match, giving Bailey that that embrace and that respect after the match combined with coming in to fight off Sasha when Sasha attacked Bailey after the match, that was her face turn. Whoa. OK, and it, All right. it was it, like so many turns in NXT. It's kind of hard to see because it happens gradually. Mm. I mean, I, I understand that you're, you're looking at this now and being like, hey, who is this person? But like, you can see how she got there. 
Yeah, I can. I just hadn't expected like this, but you're right. Backstage, Carmella is here to get trained by Enzo and Cass. Enzo is a scumbag who negs women and can't run on a treadmill while a woman stretches near him. And Carmella is in fantastic shape and she's ready to punch women. I mean, she'd punch anybody, but she's only going to be allowed to punch women. But I like her so much. She's just fun and feisty and cute. Yes, I love Carmella. Match number four, Marcus Louis and Enzo Amore. Marcus Louis is wearing a bad wig held on by one of those wrestling ear protector thingies. Mm -hmm. It's like bondage, but for your ears. And (laughs) Neil said this was a reference to Kurt Angle. Yeah, kind of. It's like, I I think I talked in the TakeOver episode about how similar the hair versus hair match between Enzo and Sylvester was to the Kurt Angle Edge hair versus hair match from 2002, which is generally considered to be like the best hair versus hair match or up there with the best hair versus hair matches. Um, A lot of similarities, including the fact that like, why are you so broken up about not having the inch of hair that was on your head before? (laughs) Like, what's true for both Marcus Louis and Kurt Angle is that when they put on the wig to cover their baldness, the wig contains more hair than they originally had. (laughs) So, like, yeah, I I guess it's a reference. You can call it a reference, or you can call it just doing it again. (laughs) Fair enough. And hoping that the people watching don't remember a random Judgment Day match from 2002. So, Enzo and Casket on the mic. Enzo says... It looks like an NXT takeover, you encountered a problem. One plus one equals 3.14. You ate your pie. And it looks like the pie you ate had an allergic reaction. This thing makes no goddamn sense. What the fuck are you talking about? Because you lost all your hair. What kind of pie was it? Maybe it was apple. How you doing? Dutch apple. How you doing? Pumpkin. How you doing? Cherry. How you doing? Or pecan. Either way... All your hair fell out of your darn head. And I'm like, this is <laughs> dream logic. This is nothing. And the pie thing never pays off. Let's be very clear. That is what the, I thought he was going to go with a humble pie reference. Like I was going, okay, maybe we're, nope. No. <laughs> it's just, <laughs> just randomly talk. They needed an excuse to like list something. Also the sentence structure. I am not into syntax and grammar, but whenever you say the pie had an allergic reaction, that means the (laughs) pie had the allergic reaction, not you had an allergic reaction to the pie, which is a very different thing. No. Uh, It is a swing and a miss in the promo department here from Enzo and Cass. Yeah. But like when I say a swing and a miss, I meant the ball was 50 feet down the road. (laughs) So the bell goes and Marcus Louis is doing all right for himself, throwing Enzo around like a petite garbage bag. In the process of roughing up Enzo, one of Marcus Louis' straps on his wig thing breaks. Enzo manages to snatch it off and we see the naked head of Marcus Louis, who is horrified by this. Why? I know, Why are right? you so horrified by this? Well, look, if anything, you should have put on fucking fake eyebrows. That would have fixed everything, but you right. fucking didn't. So he gets that surprise roll up for the win. Marcus Lee holds his wig and slowly comes unhinged. He's growling and screaming like he's fucking Gollum. It is very weird. I was like, oh, is he going to bite Sylvester LaFort? He might. (laughs) I just don't get why they did this again. Like, we did the hair reveal at TakeOver. We already saw him 
without the hair and it was patchier then and looked dumber. Like now he just looks like a guy with a shaved head. Admittedly, the no eyebrows are weird. It's the act of trying to squeeze, you know, the last bit out of a Capri Sun. Maybe there's still (laughs) something in there, but you just fucking won't know unless you, you know, roll it from the end and just squeeze every last goddamn drop out of it. So it's like when my dog finishes his food and just like noses around the bowl in the hopes that maybe something is still around here. (laughs) Backstage, Tyson Kidd doesn't need his wife to intervene for him. If he wants a title shot, he'll simply ask, quote, Adrian Neville. He still has that NXT championship. I'm going to take that away from him. I'm going to take away that NXT championship and all the power it possesses. I was like, my dude, you are an absolute Isildur. (laughs) And you will fall to the power of the one championship in five fucking seconds. He would not even get past the prancing pony before. I was like, no, I shall keep it. No, Instead of throwing it to the fires of Mount Doom where it belongs. And I was like, no, I felt like fucking Elrond going, no, destroy it. And he's like, no, this, (laughs) I need it too much. Like, all right. So he's the next NXT champion. Fact. Adrian Neville, only you can save us from this dark fate. So please. Backstage, Sami Zayn just being asked for an opinion on this Tyson Kidd thing. And about the fact that Natty went and asked for it. And he was like, this is weird. And I don't really have an opinion. My main opinion is that it is weird that you're asking me to some extent. And also that it doesn't really matter who wins because I want the championship. So that's it. That's it. But. He's so natural and beautiful and perfect that I was like, yay, Sammy. Match five, Lady Whistledown's match report and yes. <laughs> inside scoop. I forgot that I needed to do one. <laughs> and this is where it ended up. <laughs> Sometimes that's how it goes. All that means is Lady Whistledown gets the main event. The Transylvanian diplomats Connor and Victor have entered into quite a grudge with Messieurs Sincara and Callisto. Now it must be said that we've seen little of Mr. Connor or Mr. Victor around, preferring as they do to stalk the night and visit the wolf enclosure at our local zoological museum. It is most strange to see them involved in the passions that play out in the town at all. Previously, one might have said that their only passion was one another. But apparently they are not content with the victories of love alone. They challenged Monsieur Sincar and Callisto to a fight determined to win their former championship back. One must acknowledge that the Assembly is not always quite as invested in the proceedings as one might hope, but then not every ball is a success. Callisto is the first to attempt to draw the Transylvanian diplomats into a loss, but ends up playing the role of victim instead. He is battered mercilessly by both Connor and Victor being rolled around the ring like an alligator with its prey, and later thrown clear across the ring as though he were no more than a child's plaything. Sinkara, meanwhile, is trapped in the agony of watching his good friend struggle feebly to best the two larger gentlemen. But Callisto is eventually able to scrape his way towards the hand of his brother-in-arms. Messieurs Sinkara and Callisto begin to mount a campaign against the dark lovers from the Carpathians. Hardly have they begun when Mr. Sinkara is tossed from the ring. But then, the orchestra struck up a tune that has only just become familiar to those in our social set. The tune of Mr. Hideo Itami. He and the Transylvanian diplomats have been nursing a mutual dislike that seems unlikely to herald an eventual marriage proposal of any kind. 
Mr. Itami's mere presence is enough to distract Victor, enough to be pinned and distract Connor, enough to prevent him from saving his black-hearted mate. Needless to say, Connor was displeased and attacked Mr. Itami, but he backed down not one inch and gave Connor a sound beating. Whether we'll see this much of our beloved diplomats from Romania going forward remains an open question, but at the very least their reign over the tag team division, if one is charitable enough to call it such, <laughs> is at a decisive end. Thank you, Lady Whistledown. I have two notes from this match. The first one is Hideo Tommy is a badass, don't fuck with him. Yeah. And the second one is holy shit, Kalista. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank you so much for that breakdown, Bob. How did you find this episode overall? You know, it's getting more and more compelling as a whole product every time. Yeah. And it feels like the car is going somewhere. And that's a big part of it. So like even rewatching it, I was going, oh, OK, something's happening. It's easier to spend time with the sort of more minor characters and get into the shit that they're doing when you know that the larger narratives are coalescing. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's talk more about uh, some of the things we spent time with in this episode, because I think it's time for the sights, sounds, and feels of pro wrestling. So, Bob, for this episode, what did your elf eyes see? I saw somebody holding up a sign in the audience Naturally. that said, I drove 900 miles for Bailey. Aww. And it was just really sweet. And they kind of made a point of highlighting it after Bailey won against Alexa Bliss. And it was just very sweet. And I appreciated it. It's like, yeah, Aw, that person, you know, they came here specifically for that. And like to get to see them going I love you. And like, I just, it's great. It's great whenever there's that like relationship between the performer getting to also see the sign and everything and going like, yay. There's nothing quite like the feeling of having made a sign for a specific wrestler. And then Mm -hmm. they come out and you get to hold it up and you're like, it's my time to hold up the sign that I made. I don't know. (laughs) There's just something really great about it. Oh, man, I've never made a sign for a wrestle before. I should do that. You should do that next time you go. Yeah. It's super fun. All right, Miles, what did your elf I see? So uh, going back to the Tyler Breeze match, you're right that the match was mainly about what Justin Gabriel was doing. However, there was one thing that Breeze did before hitting the beauty shot. Breeze was in the corner. Justin Gabriel was running at him to do something. And Breeze hit him with a super kick. And... (laughs) Boy, did Justin Gabriel eat that super kick, man. <laughs> you go back and watch that thing. He fucking sold the crap out of that and Jeez. reversed his momentum, stunned so completely that Breeze was then able to hit the beauty shot and win the match. Breeze's super kick, which I can't remember if he's hit it before, is a thing of beauty and will eventually be known as the supermodel kick. So oh, I just wanted to point that out. That's very clever. That's very clever. Bob, what did your Vulcan ears hear? So there was some good stuff that was happening on commentary, but yes. I heard William Regal because he's <laughs> talking to that fucking PA before Natty shows up. He's like, there's a lady out back and she makes little paleo treats for me. Some lovely white tea with some raw honey. Can you get that for me? That would be lovely. <laughs> and like, 
Neil and I were over the fucking moon and like we were just saying to each other little paleo treats because it was so fucking weird and twee and adorable. So I just appreciate whenever somebody is doing something stupid before the actual scene starts. Like to me, that's the gift is that stuff. Also, you're still riding the high of being able to watch William Regal slap people in the face every week. On AEW. That is a fucking drug. (laughs) William (laughs) Regal is getting me hooked on William Regal slapping (laughs) shit out of people on TV. It's just so important to my soul that William Regal continues to slap the shit out of grown men each week. Miles, what did your Vulcaneers hear? You mentioned there was some good stuff on commentary. The thing my Vulcaneers heard was Jason Albert valiantly coming to the defense of bold people. Yeah! Because he is bald himself. He was the only person on commentary that was like, what is the big deal about this? He's bald, so what? I'm bald. You know? Yeah. It was so weird that everybody else was like, oh, no, being bald's horrible. And I'm like, no, being bald's kind of sexy. What's your problem? And Renee in particular was like, he's an abomination. (laughs) And Jason Albert was like, he looks... for sure. (laughs) Albert was like, he looks fine. I don't see what your problem is. (laughs) I just really like that. I was glad somebody finally mentioned the eyebrows thing and they were like kind of harping on that because I'm going, that's where the horror is. If you see somebody without their eyebrows, that's what's kind of like a, oh, wow. I don't know how to... If he had eyebrows still, he would look like a totally normal wrestler that's indistinguishable in any way from like Danny Burch. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) All right, Bob, what did your human heart feel? I couldn't pick just one thing. I just felt curious about everything because it does feel like pieces are being moved into the place on the board and stuff is happening and I don't know what it is yet. And so I'm curious. Mm. I'm going. And also because I know bits and pieces about things that happen in the future. I mean, I don't know when they're happening. I don't know what in what order they happen. But I know obviously Adrian Neville is not going to be champion forever. I think at some point Sammy is probably champion for a while. I don't know when. I think. Bailey is eventually champion for a while at some point, but I don't know when. And I know that there's going to be a four horsewoman and I don't know how that will take shape or will they be faces? Will they be heels? I don't know. So I'm watching all these things coming into view, but I don't know how they'll coalesce or in what way. And so it's just, it is interesting to get to see the edges of the puzzle being put together. I will tell you one thing, just so you, so you don't, carry on with this assumption the four horsewomen are never a thing on camera oh okay the four horsewomen refers to a backstage group of friends who are very influential on the future of women's wrestling um this being this being sasha bailey charlotte and becky it's important to know later on that, that that it's a thing but it's never a character thing it's never a fiction a thing within the fiction Okay, that's good to know, because otherwise I was going to be like, well, nobody came out on horses. This is a real bummer. (laughs) All right, Miles, what did your human heart feel? I didn't want to go here, but I kind of had to because I start. I was watching this episode, rewatching this episode at the same time as I've been editing um, our last episode or not our last episode. I've been editing our um, episode 69 with L. Collins. Yeah. And L has a. Just an excellent and incisive breakdown about Enzo yes. Amore and the allegations so against him. fucking important. The stuff that they're doing is, it's not like inherently not fun or inherently not funny. I definitely see like there's there's moments in there like when 
Enzo falls off the treadmill because he gets a glimpse at Carmella in her like wrestling gear. And mm-hmm. she's like, you're such an idiot. And he's just like, I'm a G. <laughs> it's just like, it's funny. But, and it gets better, I think, moving forward in this regard. But like, this skit is about Enzo wanting to have sex with Carmella. Yes. And her clearly not being interested in him not caring. It's very hard to laugh at that in, in yes, retrospect. Yes, 100%. It's incredibly hard to watch something like that and be, I don't know, present with it and sort of like figure out how yeah. to process it. I was having this conversation actually with Chris Newton about like, how do you process the stuff that you're like, well, I mean, not this one in particular, because this one's about like has a gross premise, but like watching something where you're going, okay, this person is not a good person, but the thing they're doing still brings me joy. Do I feel bad about that? Do I stop watching it? Do I make sure that I only pirate it? Do I try to find a way so that that way I don't feel joy whenever I experience it? Because Mm. that is what I, that's the moral thing to do. Like, what is the moral thing to do with any of this? And I think we're still at a place of figuring that out. And everybody's kind of figuring it out themselves in the last like 10 to 20 years has just been going, I don't fucking know how to relate to media or people within media who have done things I value or have had a positive reaction to, but are abhorrent. My take on this is continually evolving, as I hope most of our takes on this are. Right now, I think my feelings about it are, if you can watch it and enjoy it, then great. Leaving aside the act of buying something, right? Leaving aside the financial question. The act of experiencing media that is made by problematic people or made by people whose values you don't agree with and enjoying it does not hurt anyone. Fundamentally, I don't think it's honest to be like, well, I shouldn't like this, so I'm not going to. There are times when you're going to watch a piece of media and you're going to be like, I can't like this. I physically cannot watch this and I cannot enjoy it. And that's legitimate. But I don't think if someone else can watch it and can enjoy it, maybe they should think about why. You know, maybe maybe they should use that as an opportunity to think about themselves and and why they're not, you know, maybe like have a conversation with somebody who has a really hard time with it. As long as you're fully informed of who it's made by and what the deal is, if you can still enjoy it, then great. As we've talked about before, as long as you are engaging with the problematic nature of it in an honest way and in good faith, in a way where you're being open to the criticisms of it and being open to the harm the piece of media has caused others. So if you are aware of all of that and you can still enjoy something, then then I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I don't think anybody gets to like call you out on being immoral because you can still enjoy that thing. In this case, I think that obviously the point is that Enzo is an idiot. Yes. Like the point of all of this, and we talked about this on, on the episode with L. but the point of all of this is that Enzo is a fucking moron. His friend is like telling him he should respect women more. And he's like, no, don't worry, I got this. This has worked with hundreds of other women. Oh, yeah, all your zero girlfriends? Shut up. You know, like, yes. he is a clown. He is the comic relief because he is stupid and bad at what he's trying to do. There's inherently comedy in that. But as L said... It's hard to enjoy that when you know that this person is legitimately terrible and legitimately has not taken no for an answer, <laughs> you know. And so, yeah, this is how I'm feeling about it. Going forward, I might be able to handle it a little bit more easily because, like, it's not as blatant, mm. you know, with future Enzo cast Carmella segments. 
But as long as the storyline is Enzo wants to fuck her and she's not interested, but he's still trying to fuck her, then it's going to be an issue. Oh, yeah, 100%. That's super gross. But yeah, I mean, I don't have any of this figured out as far as like, how do you approach any of this? And I don't think I, I even feel clear enough in it to offer my version of how to approach it. I think it's a weird thing that I navigate every single time that I'm come near any yeah. piece of media where I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't I don't know. It has to be it has to be on, on an individual basis, right? Like, I don't think there's any set rule for how to engage with this. I think it's like you have to take in the specifics of what you're dealing with into account. So being anyway. a human's hard and messy. All right. Well, uh, that was a bit of a somber note to end Sight Sounds Feels on, but we're going to pick things up a little bit right now because it is time to dole out our nominees for the Bullrince Olivier Award for Outstanding Commitment to the Bit. So, Bob, who gets your Lawrence Bolivier Award for this episode? Bailey! Me too. The high five mid-match to Alexa Bliss was such a brilliant thing. And then also, she and Charlotte both did this. I was really pleased with it. Charlotte's like, okay, yeah, I'll totally give you a match. I respect you. And there's like a pause as the audience is applauding. And Bailey moves towards Charlotte like, I'm going to hug you. And Charlotte kind of gives a hand of like, no, we're not there yet. And <laughs> that moment was just such a great character beat. And I really loved it. So I'm giving it to Bailey. I'm also giving it to Bailey. Just the way she speaks when she's talking to Charlotte, you can tell by her cadence and how she's doing it and her body language, the way the character is evolving. Like, yeah, coming off of the match with Alexa, where they are both having fun. They both love wrestling. They're both doing their thing. But Bailey is clearly at another level. She's just like, clearly the whole match revolves around whether or not Alexa can hang with her. And it turns out mm. she can kind of, but Bailey was never losing that match. No, nobody in the world thought Bailey was losing <laughs> that match. Yeah, no, she's gone up a level and she's gone up a level character wise as well. She's being less halting. She's being less childlike. When she says, Charlotte, can you come out to the ring, please? She's growing up like this is, she is actively growing up the character via her performance. And Charlotte's yeah. respect for her is a recognition of the fact that she's not that kid anymore. She is a legitimate competitor. This is her division. And everything about the match and the segment that follows screams that. And just every choice that she makes, you can just tell that Bailey has reached a new point of ascension. And I loved it so much. It was my favorite part of the episode. I love it. All right, well, that's a much better note to go out on <laughs> than, <laughs> than the end zone cast stuff. But we can't go out quite yet, Bob, because it's time for a new edition of the Cheap Pop Quiz. Okay. No points yet in this edition, Bob. No points in this round of quizzing. We'll see if you can get some right now. Question number one. Who gets new theme music on the next episode? Ooh. Is it A, Tyson Kidd, B, The Ascension, C, The Vaude Villains, D, Jason Jordan and Ty Dillinger, or E, All of the Above? I'm going to say Jason Jordan and Ty Dillinger because I really hope they're on the next episode because I want to talk about Jason Jordan Wrestling Detective. <laughs> All right, Jason Jordan and Ty Dillinger is your answer. Not going for E. I admit that E is a bit of a stretch in this case. Question number two. On the next episode, somebody notices that Hideo Itami is having, you know, a little bit of trouble going up against the Ascension 2-on-1. 
and steps up to have Hideo's back. Who is it? Is it A, Mojo Raleigh, B, Tyler Breeze, C, Mojo Raleigh and Tyler Breeze arguing between themselves over who it should be, D, a character we haven't seen before named Sho Funaki, or E, a character we haven't seen before named Finn Balor? I mean, I want it to be Finn Balor. I want to see baby Finn Balor. Yeah, I'll go with E. All right. E is your answer. And question number three. We have two championship matches on the next episode. The NXT women's title match between Bailey and Charlotte and Tyson Kidd challenging Adrian Neville for the NXT title one last time. Between them. So not in both matches, but between the two of them. Which of the following sets of elements do we see? Okay. A. A disqualification, a heel turn, and interference from Titus O'Neil. B. A hug, Sami Zayn kicking someone in the head, and interference from Titus O'Neil. C. A disqualification, Sami Zayn kicking someone in the head, and interference from Sasha Banks. Mm. D. A hug, a heel turn, and interference from Sasha Banks. Or E. Interference from Titus O'Neil, interference from Sasha Banks, and interference from Natalia. Jesus Christ, how I need a fucking flowchart. Okay. <laughs> Um, I think the first one where you talked about Sasha Banks, because they need to get her the fuck out here. This is too important. Like they, they, We have not seen her enough, and if they want her to be anything, they better get her out here. So I think your first mention of Sasha Banks. So you're saying a disqualification, Sammy kicks someone in the head, and interference from Sasha Banks. I'll take it. Okay, that's your answer. I know that question was complicated. Thank you for sticking with me. This is how I step up my game, Bob. <laughs> Come back in two weeks to see if Bob scored any more points in this edition of the Cheap Pop Quiz. Well, that's about all we got for this episode of The Next Wrestling Fan, Bob. As always, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for dragging me into this world of uh, public fistfights. <laughs> and thank you to all of our patrons who support us by going over to patreon.com slash NXT Wrestling Fan and throwing us a tiny bit of money or a larger yes. amount of money, if you so choose, uh, on a monthly basis. We really appreciate all of you because we appreciate all of you so much. It is now time for the next match in the second round of the Next Wrestling Fan Federation Trios Tournament. Yes! If you're new to the show, everybody who's a patron of our podcast gets a wrestling character, and we have gone completely overboard with this concept of everybody getting a wrestling character, and now we have thrown everybody into a Trios Tournament, and we're talking about what happens. So, for this match, Bob, the crowd gets on their feet. Ah! <gasps> For, well, no longer the Next Wrestling Fan Champion, but but very recently the Next Wrestling Fan Federation Champion, Harry Bumblespike of Bumblespike Hall. Hell yeah. Their tag team partner, uh, the man of some consequence, Oliver Silvers, and of course, their partner, Changeling. Oh man, Changeling is such a good babyface. Enormous babyface tag team, huge pop for this team. Although, I should say that uh, Bumblespike... Maybe a little bit more subdued than usual oh. in their in their like mannerisms coming down to the ring. Doesn't huh. quite look right without the title and seems to be aware of that. Oh, their opponents for this match, the team of Neil, Watership Doom and Morgan Mab, who, if you've been following along, Doom and Neil are not friends. Uh, they <laughs> no. are. <laughs> they are not people who enjoy one another's company traditionally, but they have both 
been managing to put that aside recently because they like hanging around Morgan Mab for whatever reason. So yeah. that's been fun. They come down to the ring as always, not, not even like really disdainful of the, the crowd noise or anything. They're just kind of here to do their business. Again, slightly uncharacteristic. So it starts with Bumblespike and Neil in the ring. Bumblespike goes for a handshake and the handshake is rejected. And as soon as the handshake is rejected, the moment Neil sort of turns away from it, Bumblespike sweeps the legs and then does a little bow. And it's maybe not as cheeky a bow as it normally would be. It's almost (laughs) if one can bow pointedly, this is a pointed bow that is happening. There's a little more cockiness to it than mm-hmm. there normally would be. Bumblespike definitely seemed like, you know, they knew that Neil was to refuse that handshake. <laughs> <laughs> no loss of bad blood between those two, and even less between uh, them and Watership Doom. Silvers is tagged in, and they point to Doom, who obliges. And mm-hmm. I mean, now we get sort of the silly wrestling, where one person is clearly doing real moves. Like Doom is actually wrestling for reals and putting power behind them. <laughs> and Silvers is just sidestepping or getting distracted by something or maybe accidentally tripping, accidentally maybe on purpose tripping, getting mm. out of the way. Doom goes for a big move and then Silvers notices that their shoes are untied and bends down to do that. <laughs> Doom totally <laughs> overclocks it and looks ridiculous. <laughs> Doom doesn't like that. You would be amazed to find out that Watership Doom doesn't care for this shit. And Doom does something that it's so strange to see this from Watership Doom, because normally Doom is all about like a power move that's kind of like grounded. But Doom pulls out just a big outrage super kick on Oliver Silvers. Yeah, it's really weird to see it. I don't know whether it's because so, you know, so angry, whether it's because this is a breaking point. Maybe he's always wanted to do a super kick. Like, I don't know why now, but the crowd kind of pops for it regardless, just because they're like, oh, shit. (laughs) So Silver makes it over to Changeling, who just (laughs) shoves Doom aside, just doesn't like, I don't have time for your shit. Walks right over to the batty corner to Morgan Mab. Doom goes to attack Changeling from behind and Mab signals like, no, no, don't do that. Beckons for him to come over like a good boy and give her the tag. So she gets in the ring herself. Now, remember, one of the things that is important to this is not just that there's this weird stuff between Mab, Doom and Neil, but also Changeling and Neil are siblings. Right. And so is this about only I can be mean to my sibling? Is this about, (laughs) you know, I'm going to save my sibling We're not really sure, but it's extremely personal when the two of them Mm -hmm. are fighting. So at this point, the whole thing just kind of devolves into the best kind of trios tag clusterfuck. Mm. Everybody's just kind of doing their fucking thing and everybody's hitting their finishers, changeling, throwing out Mickey tractors. Um, (laughs) Oliver Silvers has a top rope move as well that he calls some consequences. Oh, my God. (laughs) They're kind of doing big moves to each other, doing finishers to each other. And in the end, standing in the ring before one another is Harry Bumblespike of Bumblespike Hall and Morgan Mab. And the crowd is getting hyped because they're about to start fighting. Morgan Mab is kind of looking at them, just kind of like head cocked. And the crowd is starting to get a little bit restless because nothing is happening. Bumblespike is just like 
It's like they're silently communicating somehow. Oh no. Looking into each other's eyes. And Bumblespike is like getting this look on their face like, oh my god, do I understand? Oh no. Very good facial acting from Bumblespike here. And as that's happening, Neil rolls them up for three. Because Neil (gasps) is the legal man. Oh, what the fuck? And Bumblespike just like kind of left looking in the ring like, what what the fuck just happened? Shit. Oliver Silvers and Changeling are going to be supportive, obviously. Who knows what kind of like weird powers... Morgan Mab has to bring to bear in the wrestling match, but uh, Harry is definitely a little bit shaken. Oh man, so many mm. people going through it right now in our. I know. Well, trios. I mean, it's because I'm the Booker, and I need to make people suffer. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah. Well, you're doing that, buddy. I've got some emotional turmoil. Well, thank you to everybody who uh, made those characters possible. Really, really appreciate all of you. Hope you've all been enjoying the Trios Tournament. Neil, Watership Doom, and Morgan Mab are moving on to the finals. They are joining Artemis, Overton Payne, and the Brick Toss Kid in that match. And we will see on our next episode, in our next outro, uh, who becomes the third and final team in the Trios Tournament finals. We are coming to the end, y'all. Oh, it's going to be exciting. Oh, my God. Ugh, so many things. <laughs> I think that's about all we have to talk about for now. So uh, thank you to everybody who's uh, been giving us money on Patreon. Thank you to everybody who just listens and appreciates everyone who talks to us online about our show. Yeah. Um, thank you to everybody who is a part of the journey, however you can or want to be a part of it. Yeah, um, thank you. Really appreciate you. And we will see you once again in two weeks with a new episode of The Next Wrestling Fan. Yeah. The Next Wrestling Fan is produced by Miles Schneiderman and Megan Bob, with logo design by Claire Mulcairin. Special thanks to Rafael Medina for our theme song, Learn Buckle. You can follow his creative work on Twitter at EarthMofo. Also thanks to Kevin McLeod for additional music and stingers, which are licensed under Creative Commons. Find his work at www.incompetech.com. We're on Twitter and Facebook as the NXT Wrestling Fan. Come talk to us. You can also follow Miles on Twitter at MJ Schneiderman and Megan Bob at Megan Bobness. The NXT Wrestling Fan is made possible thanks to our supporters on Patreon. If you'd like to help us out, go to patreon.com slash NXT Wrestling Fan and join our fantastic stable of contributors. They're the best. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe and review wherever you get your podcasts. And if you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, feel free to email us at nxtwrestlingfan at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in two weeks. Speaking of who gets it. I should probably do a different transition so I don't have to... No, you know yes. what? I'm not going to. I'm no, not going Miles. to because I have to leave it in. Miles, come on. <laughs> do another transition just so you have it. Okay, okay. Like, that's one of the reasons when we first started the show, you were, like, writing out every move. And the breakdowns yes. were taking forever. And at a certain point, you and I realized that if, like, if the match is really good, you can sometimes just say, it's good, you should go watch it. Yeah, there are certain ones where I'm like, look, it's just, it's too good. Yeah. We are Sorry, we should move on, though, but. Okay. Um, let me do a transition. Yeah, oh, sorry, there definitely I are. <laughs> sorry.
I should do you have, want to uh, do it? I should, no, I just left you hanging there. Like, you know, you were coming in for the tag, and I just, like, jumped <laughs> down off the apron. <laughs> You're such a fucking Tyson kid sometimes. <laughs>